Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Dark Horses Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Chris Blystone, and I have to start by saying I really don't think that the name for this podcast has ever been more relevant or at least felt more relevant than it does this evening as I'm recording this. Uh, tomorrow when you listen to it, it'll be a little bit different, but this this evening we just found out a couple hours ago the Pro Bowl selections. So we're going to talk about that a little bit, and I'm sure that you all have opinions. I definitely have some opinions. So we're going to take a look at the Pro Bowl selections and dig into those. That's not my intention when I started planning the podcast for tonight, but obviously that's come up. It's a big deal, and so we're going to talk about it. But before we do that, we're going to go through a um, couple of things. The Colts-Cowboys recap, we're going to go through that. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the matchups and revisit those and, and how the Colts did. Obviously, you saw the game. They did well, so... We're going to dive into that first, and then we'll take a look at the Pro Bowl stuff. So to start with, let's look at you know how the how the Colts did against the Cowboys in in a game they really needed to win, and it's pretty clear they did really well. I mean, they pitched a shutout. The Colts shut down a team two weeks in a row now that's been on a win streak and looked really good. The Cowboys were on a five game five game winning streak. They looked solid. Amari Cooper was coming off a career high. And they looked like a team that was going to possibly cause us some problems. Basically, uh, Chris Shepard, as he was preparing his scouting reports, uh, one of the comments that he made is, this, they're like the Colts, but with better personnel. And that was really kind of the impression that we had uh, on this team going into the week, is this is what we hope to build on defense. And on offense, yeah, the Colts, the Colts have some advantages, but not so many that we think, yeah, we've got a definite, clear, easy win here. Well, it was very obvious in this game. I think one thing that became very clear to me right away is what kind of an impact that Ryan Kelly had. His return really... It, it, we'll, we'll talk more about him in, in when it comes to the Pro Bowl and everything, but his return to me solidified what a huge impact he's had on this offensive line. While the addition of our two rookie guards uh, and, well, well, guard and tackle, but two rookie guards, Mark Glinski as well, have really had a huge impact. And Costanzo is playing a great, great uh, season so far. And Frank Reich has done a really good job putting them in a position to win their matchups. But ultimately, 
Ryan Kelly has just been a huge impact player, especially in the running game, and that's one of the things we saw blow up in this game. So let's take a look through and see kind of how this game starts out. So right out of the gate, the Colts' first drive, they're moving down the field pretty well. If you were watching this game, you're probably starting to get a little bit nervous because, quite honestly, Dak was making good short throws. He wasn't doing anything too threatening, but they had, they used Amari Cooper on an end around. They had uh, Zeke Elliott moving the ball pretty effectively, and they were handing it off to him. He had a couple pretty nice runs and really just seemed to be able to do whatever he wanted to do. The Colts gave up a lot of yards all game long, and again, this is a, a theme for this season that they've been giving up a lot of yards. And so the Cowboys moved the ball pretty effectively and got themselves in field goal position, and that basically is where the drive stalls out. So uh, the Colts managed to stop them. And they're going to go for a field goal. Danico Autry gets a hand in there and blocks the field goal. And initially, it was actually ruled a touchdown. Uh, pretty obvious from looking at the replay that it wasn't. But there's a scrum of guys and a whistle. Darius Leonard pulls the ball out, runs it back for a touchdown. So obviously a pretty high point emotionally and a pretty deflating moment for the Cowboys who have just had this long drive and had it result in nothing. And... Uh, and, and regardless, they were going to come away with three points, but instead the Colts get the ball in really good field position, hand the ball over to Andrew Luck in the offense, and let them go to work. And right away, Marlon Mack starts making things happen, and he makes this ridiculous broken tackle where he just, it seems like he's down, he's going around the right side, and it seems like he's down and stopped, and he just breaks through, and then he just drags guys past, I think it was about like a 12 or 13 yard run, and just drags guys uh, past the first down line, and just takes over this drive, and you know, the Colts find themselves in the red zone, on the goal line, uh, one of Max carries takes him all the way to like inches of the one and you know maybe he even scores but you, you don't have an angle to tell and so they they didn't call it but it, you know they get the ball in for the score with Marlon Mack making the carry and just everything that you could hope for as far as the offense that they're getting it firing on all cylinders right out of the gate and it doesn't hurt that they start in good field position either so very quickly get that first score and then on the next Cowboys drive Tyquan Lewis gets his first sack uh, of his career. I mean, he had one called back for a, with a penalty, I believe, earlier in the season, but he got his first official sack and um, right afterward, and, and, you know, that seems like a really good moment, and then right afterward, Zeke breaks off this really long run and has the Cowboys in field goal range, and it's one of those things where it's like you have the high of that sack, and then you have the low of, oh, man, we've just let this guy break one open. What's Is this going to, you know, is this going to slide? Are we going to start having these these big runs where Zeke just is able to take over the game, which is exactly what we said before the game we couldn't let happen. We could not let Ezekiel Elliott take over the game because if you can shut him down or at least limit him, you have a chance against this team. Well, as soon as they hit the red zone, defense tightens up, and Leonard gets a tip that very, very, very close. This is like the third time Anthony Walker has gotten hands on a ball that he almost picked, but he just hasn't quite been able to put it together. And this is another one of those, I don't, he didn't really have a good shot at it. He was going a different direction and he gets a hand out under it, but <laughs> you could tell he's frustrated. He really wants one of those picks, but Leonard gets a hand on it and, and bats it up in the air and very nearly a pick. And then inexplicably, they drop a third down, uh, a third down pass 
and, and he's he's wide open on the left hand side. Nobody on him. Just he's like doesn't. I don't know. I don't know if he didn't see the ball. It's like he didn't watch it all the way in, but it falls well short of where he puts his hands. Doesn't even touch it, and it's not. It's just. It was just a very weird drop for the Cowboys, and then they go for it, and uh, it's like fourth and fourth and one from like the two yard line, and the Colts make a goal line stand and stop them from getting in and turn the ball over on downs, and that really felt like the the point in the game where the momentum completely shifted because you had a big turn from you know, from the field goal block that obviously made an emotional impact on both teams. But really when you had this goal line stand where the Colts defense just rejected that play uh, and, and, you know, essentially just declined the Cowboys completely, this team that has been known for its power running game behind a great offensive line. It was, it was really kind of over from that point. And, you know the Colts. Obviously, you know the game was not over at that point. There was there was a lot more uh, to be done there. But really, I feel like that point was the turning point of the game. Where where beyond that point, it was really one of those things where you never believed that this was a team that truly was in it. Um, you know the Colts' defense continued to to really just kind of hammer home and and stop these guys when it really mattered the Cowboys continued to go for it on fourth they had one fourth down uh, conversion that they actually made and then it was called back I believe it was fourth and two and there was a they, they passed the ball for a first down and then were called back for a hold and you know the Colts were able to stop them consistently when they needed to so um, as far as this game goes we won't, we won't dig through the whole thing uh, I would recommend re-watching it if you get a chance it's quite enjoyable to watch your team shut someone out but Marlon Mack, and you know you got to give credit first and foremost to the offensive line as we already have. They they looked incredible. The blocking was superb, and Marlon Mack really showed what he can do with that kind of blocking. And I I know there's a lot of questions about how good he can be, but he is. If he were to average about 120 to 125, I think yards a game, he's about that far off that he would hit a thousand yards with just 12 games on his, on his season. It's a pretty darn impressive season for a guy that a lot of people have said isn't really the kind of running back who can do what the Colts need for the future. And and for those who have said that the Colts need to invest heavily in a running back, I just don't know that that's the case because Marlon Mack has looked good and this offensive line made him look even better. So he has a great game. He looks like the better of the two backs, 27 for 139 and two touchdowns. And, uh, you know, Andrew Luck didn't have to be the kind of Andrew Luck that we're used to seeing. And that, that was really kind of refreshing. And it's always been refreshing this season when we've watched that happen. He's, he's 20, uh, 27 attempts, 16 of 27 for 192 yards, no picks, no touchdowns. He looked good, but he didn't have to look great. And that was an excellent change to see that. Um, T.Y. Hilton, despite being a game-time decision... And he said after the fact that he was about 70%, but despite being a game-time decision, he had five catches for 85 yards, and he was a big deal in this game. Considering that Luck only you know, completed 16 passes, you're talking about half of his completions, or you're talking about a third of his completions going to T.Y. Hilton um, and 85 yards on, uh, on the day. So half those passing yards going to Hilton. Obviously, he's been a huge part of this offense, and with Jack Doyle being out, he's had to be, and he needs to continue to be. No real, no real sightings of Eric Ebron except for a sort of ugly drop, and you could tell that it really irritated him. Uh, he really, you know, he's he's 
locked that down. I feel like he hasn't dropped the ball at the rate that, that he gets credit for, at least in terms of, you know, the way that you hear people talk about Eric Ebron of previous years, that he was just a guy who dropped the ball all the time. He's he's made a lot of really good plays. He made kind of a boneheaded one, and he was only targeted three times. So eight yards, one one catch for eight yards, not a big game for him. Naheem Hines was a big a big factor in this game, and he he definitely played his role. And I think that we can probably expect to continue to see Hines uh, playing more and more of that role. He's really done exactly what they needed him to do. I, I don't know. I I mean, as far as the running back position and, and whether or not they address that in the future, I don't know if that's necessary because the way that Hines is able to play a role in both the passing game. Uh, I mean, he had 45 yards passing four you know four receptions out of on six targets. He he wasn't a huge factor in the run, but he did get you know twenty, you know six carries, nineteen yards. That's that's not bad for a rotational back. I'm I'm okay with that, and I just don't know if they need another. I mean maybe maybe they get a complimentary you know heavy back because Jordan Wilkins isn't really that, but they haven't really been using him much either. And I think they feel like they've got a pretty good thing going with these two guys. So. You know, pretty impressive performance by by the offense, but really impressive performance by the defense. Like I said earlier, Tyquan Lewis got his first NFL sack, and he followed that up with his second sack. So two sacks for Lewis in this game. And uh, one of the things that we've been talking about in our Slack channel is if this team makes the playoffs, we kind of have an advantage to some degree in having Tyquan Lewis back because this is a rookie and a guy who has a lot of potential and who's going to continue to grow as the season goes on, but he hasn't played a lot of this season. So he doesn't have the wear and tear of an entire season on him because he came back from IR and so he's played like a guy who's a little bit fresher than the guys around him and going into the playoffs that could be a big deal and and they're going to need him to step up because they just sent Al Woods to injured reserve and Al Woods is a run stuffing defensive lineman they're going to need somebody probably Grover Stewart is going to be that guy largely but they're going to need those defensive linemen to step up to fill that gap in the run defense so Real impressive game by Taekwon Lewis. He's just continued to look good, and I think he's going to continue to look better. I already mentioned Danico Autry with the blocked field goal. He also had a sack, and he's continued to just look better and better every week and make Chris Ballard look like a really smart guy. So got to be pleased with the performance you're seeing from him. And, of course, then you've got Darius Leonard, and you know he looked great. He had 11 tackles, one for a loss, and he had two passes defense, the one that uh, almost went for an interception. And the one that did go for an interception, he deflected the pass that George Odom uh, picked off. So Odom got a nice pick and a good heads-up play. So Darius Leonard is just such an impact player. He's been, um, he's just been so good. And it's stupid what he's doing as a rookie. I looked up some of the numbers and, and I tweeted this out earlier this week that you know he and only he and. I want to say Navarro Bowman because that was one of the guys that was that was close, but I'm completely drawing a blank on the guy's name. I'll cycle back to it. But only only two guys, uh, and Leonard was one of them, had ever accomplished what he's accomplished this season. And I actually was a little generous because I I didn't I think I I set my parameters on Pro Football Reference at um, five sacks instead of seven, and kind of toned down the numbers to try to get some other guys that were in the vicinity. Uh, of of Darius Leonard because when I actually put his stats in there and checked you know to see you know how many guys had done this over the course of their career and had as many tackles as he had had as many sacks as many tackles for a loss as many forced fumbles and all there wasn't anybody 
there was nobody. I mean, when I actually put that in there and looked up, looked it up under rookies, he's the only one. Nobody's done what he's done, and there's two games left. I mean, he could have, he could finish this season, and this is not unrealistic at all. He could finish this season with ten sacks. He's had seven. I mean, yeah, he'd have to have two really good games, but he he very easily could finish a game with two sacks or a sack and a half each game, um, and he could finish this season with ten sacks as an off-ball inside linebacker who does not blitz that often. He could very easily finish with another pick or two. He could finish with another forced fumble or two. This is a guy who's probably going to have north of 160 tackles by the end of this season, especially, we're going to get into the Pro Bowl, but especially given uh, his extra motivation that's going to, you know, that, that is as a result of this whole Pro Bowl fiasco. So I really think that we're going to see one of the best, that we're seeing one of the best defensive performances by a defensive player, period. And it's just been truly impressive to watch. And the Colts are just really lucky to be kind of in on the ground floor. I'm excited to see what this guy's going to do in the future, and it's exciting to see what the guys around him are doing because of what he's doing. So very cool, very exciting. I think we we have to make sure not to get numb to the ridiculous talent and huge numbers that Darius Leonard is putting up. We can't look at those and just shrug our shoulders and go, yeah, that's Darius Leonard. We always have to remember, and we need to do the same thing with luck. We need to, to cherish these moments because these kinds of players don't come come along everywhere every you know every year. This is not normal, and you have to remember as a football fan, these are the reasons why we watch the game. We watch the game because we want to see players do things. We want to see people do things we've never seen before. We want to see guys accomplish things we've never seen before. And Darius Leonard makes you believe that you could see that on any given day that you're watching the Colts, that you could see them do something spectacular. So very exciting to see him doing this as a rookie and to imagine what he'll be like going forward. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and dig into the Pro Bowl. All right, Colts fans, we have a great deal for you. Let me tell you guys about TickPick, this amazing app to buy tickets to any game, concert, or other event. Are you looking for tickets to this week's game and want to know exactly what you're going to pay for those tickets? I do, and if you do too, then TickPick and their amazing and simple app is right up your alley. The TickPick app is extremely easy to use, and best of all, there are absolutely no surprises at checkout. Listen, you find the game, find the seat you want, and you're all set. Think StubHub without any fees. You get the same tickets, same seller, but absolutely zero fees. You save 10 to 15% on every ticket order, and get this. For our listeners, they're offering you an amazing offer of $15 off any single order over $99 through the end of the season. All you have to do is enter SB Colts as your gift code at checkout. This isn't a sign-up only offer either. They went all in for you guys. Not only do I use TickPick, but I approached them and wanted to get the word out on this company because it was so stinking easy and nobody likes to find the seats they want, then get that smack in the face at checkout of another $35 to $50 in fees being added. I'll never use another ticket app again. It's very user-friendly and you get the same great tickets with lightning quick ticket transfers. Remember, that's TickPick and use the gift code SBCOLTS to save yourself $15 on any order over $99. Go to TickPick and take advantage of this offer to two-day, 100% verified Colts tickets without any fees. All right, we are back, and we're now going to dig in and discuss this whole Pro Bowl thing. And this was not, like I said, what I had intended to discuss. I actually planned on going through matchups to watch, and I think that's not going to happen now because the Pro Bowl selections have dropped, and there are more important things to deal with. So 
first and foremost, we did send two Pro Bowl players and two guys who are going to their first Pro Bowls, and they definitely deserve it. So we've got Quentin Nelson as a rookie going to his very first Pro Bowl. That's impressive, and it's not surprising completely, but given the whole mess that is the rest of this process, it is a little bit surprising that he would be sent to the Pro Bowl. But he's he's been great. He's been a hugely impactful player. And he, it, it props to him for getting the credit he deserves. He's, he's changed the mentality on this offensive line and brought some attitude, some nastiness. Watching him finish players is incredible. You're going to see some really good offensive line breakdown from Zach Hicks this week. And you definitely need to check it out because it's going to be enjoyable looking at this offensive line performance, especially this past week. So definitely check that out. But uh, watching him pancake people, there's not really anything quite as entertaining as that. And he just seems like he enjoys punishing people and that's exactly what this offensive line's been missing that kind of an attitude of wanting to make people pay you know the Colts coaches have talked about that the offensive linemen are coming to the sides arguing with one another over who's had more pancakes who's had more knockdowns and that's exactly the kind of mentality that you have amongst guys who take pride in what they do and who are going to continue to get better and better week after week so this is exactly the culture that is exciting to hear about and very proud and excited, you know, to see him making his very first Pro Bowl appearance of what I am sure will be many, many Pro Bowls. And our other uh, guy going to the Pro Bowl, Eric Ebron, gets a Pro Bowl invite, his first, and props to him, man. He's been a guy who had a ton of pressure on him and came to Indy, and it's like a weight has been lifted. And I don't, yeah, Matt Stafford's a good quarterback, Right. I mean, I'm not taking shots at Matt Stafford, but there was something going on there that was not good for him. And this this fit has just meshed better. Frank Reich and Andrew Luck just seem to be a good fit with Eric Ebron. There's a great chemistry amongst the three of them. Ebron in the red zone is just ridiculous, and he's been he, he's just been one of those players. I mean, he's cooled off over a couple of weeks as T.Y. Hilton has kind of stepped in and gotten some of his looks, but and also as the running game really was a big factor in this most recent game, but he's the kind of guy that Andrew Luck trusts and that he can go to when you really need a big play. And, you know, 13 touchdowns on the year broke Dallas Clark's record for the most touchdowns by a Colts tight end uh, franchise record, I, I think I should say. And he's just looked great. He's He's been a great addition. He's been probably the best free agent acquisition that the Colts made. And... You know, he deserves it. He deserves this Pro Bowl. I don't think it'll be his last, but it's really exciting, I'm sure, for it to be his first, especially after sort of the the first, you know, stint in the league that he had to go through and all the criticism that he took. So props to those two guys. I don't have any problem with them being, being selected. I think they both were very deserving. But there are some pretty significant issues with the rest of this list. So one of the most notable well you got two very notable ones obviously the two the Colts two best players um I would argue anyway the best players on the Colts team Andrew Luck and Darius Leonard on offense and on defense both guys snubbed not going to make it to the Pro Bowl now after I stewed about this for a little while the alternates came out and both Darius Leonard and Andrew Luck are listed as alternates as well as Ryan Kelly D.Y. Hilton and Danico Autry. And while that is something, the fact that Darius Leonard is not in the Pro Bowl is just, to me, the most absurd thing that I could even imagine. When you look at the numbers, 
Uh, first of all, he's listed as an outside linebacker, which is flawed, and it's obviously, uh, I think Stephen Holder made a comparison to the NBA and the All-Star teams and how it's it's like a front-court, back-court switch is what they've made to kind of more adequately describe the players. You run into this conundrum that the NFL doesn't look like it did when the Pro Bowl was invented or, or uh, affected or however you would say it. It looks very different, and so what a linebacker is is not the same as it was. And so it's a little confusing because, you know, Darius Leonard is going up against guys like D. Ford and, um, and guys like... Uh, Jadevian Clowney, and he's not doing the things that they're doing, and they're not doing the things that he's, like, these guys couldn't interchangeably play each other's positions because they're not designed to. They're not the same kind of player at all. It would be like him going up against a safety. It, it's just not the same position, and you can't really gauge people on the same scale that way. So, I mean, when you look at his numbers and, and where he stacks up against the other guys who are like him, it's it's ridiculous that he's not in the Pro Bowl. There's not a good excuse for it. There's there's just none. He's leading the league in tackles. He's not leading it by a little bit. He's leading it by a lot. Uh, nobody is putting up numbers like he had. Jadevian Clowney has one more sack than he does. That's the only year. I mean, he has no forced fumbles. He has no interceptions, no passes defensed. He, he's not having the impact on the game that Darius Leonard is, but he's going to be in the Pro Bowl, and Darius Leonard will not be that's ridiculous and if you are on the Giants squad I think you're very uncomfortable because you know if you read Darius Leonard's story he is not shy about the fact that he does not take kindly to those kinds of snubs look at what he did to Clemson when he played them in college I mean that was when he had his 19 tackle game that's the the game that actually sold Chris Ballard before the senior bowl on Darius Leonard as a player because he watched that film and watched this guy get 19 tackles and just destroy Clemson uh, individually. Now, obviously, you know they won that game and it was a one-man, you know, effort from you know from South Carolina State. But but Darius Leonard is not going to take this lightly, and so we may have a man playing like like a maniac, like an actual maniac with his hair on fire for the rest of the season to make everybody who voted for anybody who wasn't him in the Pro Bowl look and feel like an idiot for the rest of the season. So really, in many ways, maybe this is the best thing that could happen to the Colts because ultimately who really cares about the Pro Bowl and what we really would like to see is a guy playing who's extra motivated and has that chip on his shoulder. So uh, so no Darius Leonard, no Andrew Luck, and Andrew Luck gets beat out by Tom Brady, which there's just not anything that could annoy me more than that because Tom Brady hasn't looked good this year. He's, he's not a Pro Bowl player if Andrew Luck is the guy who's standing, you know, nose to nose with him. Luck has had a better season. Statistically, their numbers are, you know, I mean, Luck edges him out. You know, we're talking about, okay, let's just do a side-by-side comparison for, you know, completion percentage. Brady, 65.9%. Luck, 67.3%. Uh, yards, Brady, 39.79. Luck, 39.51. So you know, Brady gets the edge by you know, by a few yards here. Uh, touchdowns, 24 for Brady, 34 for Andrew Luck. Interceptions, nineteen or nine for Brady, thirteen for Luck. So yeah, Luck has four more interceptions. He has also thrown for ten more touchdowns. So uh, for what that's worth, QBR, if you want to count that kind of thing, sixty-eight point six for Brady, sixty-eight point eight for Luck, and nineteen sacks for for Brady, sixteen for Luck. Now sacks, I know people don't always want to count that as a QB stat. But I think it's pretty obvious that it is to some degree a QB stat, right? Because we don't think that this offensive line last year was so bad, or at least I don't. Maybe you all disagree with me completely. But um, 
I think that Jacoby Brissett would be taking more sacks behind this offense, just like he did last year behind last year's offensive line. I think the offensive line was bad, but I don't know that they were as bad as he made it because he held the ball too long. And you have some quarterbacks. I mean, look at the way that Marcus Mariota plays. He runs into pressure sometimes, sets himself up to get sacked. Dak Prescott is kind of the same way. He doesn't, it's like they don't sense the pressure and don't get rid of the ball soon enough. Or in Luck's case, they hold on to the ball too long and, you know, try to make something happen because they think that they can, and a lot of times they're right. But in past years, that's what Luck did. He's changed his playing style. He doesn't do that anymore. He is playing smart. He is moving in the pocket like a master, and he is making all of the throws. He's doing things with on the ground with his legs when he needs to do that, and he's keeping his eyes downfield looking for guys. He's been willing to take that check down, and he's not afraid to take the deep shot and, you know, go to his guys on the outside. So he's definitely Pro Bowl caliber for whatever reason, I mean, Brady has been selected because he's Tom Brady, and that's all there is to that. There's there's no, I mean, nobody in their right mind is going to take Tom Brady right now where he is in his career over Andrew Luck right now where he is in his career. Nobody's going to do that. It's just, it, it's just ludicrous. So not good there. Ultimately doesn't matter. It's the Pro Bowl. Um, it's, it's a little bit of a laughing stock at this point, but still not getting credit for these guys who are playing great seasons is a little irritating and hopefully it irritates them maybe it motivates them to to do well going forward i didn't expect Danico autry or ty hilton or ryan kelly to make the pro bowl just because their positions are a little bit more crowded uh Danico autry getting an alternate look is is actually pretty cool i'm kind of surprised by that and I'm, I'm glad i think he deserves it and he's definitely he's definitely shown up this season uh, as a defensive lineman, and I think he's really looked good. But I just sort of didn't. He doesn't have the name to go along with it. He just seemed like the kind of guy who was not not going to get consideration for that. His numbers are are very good, but he missed some time, so it seemed like a long shot for him to compete there. I'm, I'm excited for him. I'm glad that he got that that alternate role. And Ryan Kelly was the guy I thought probably deserved the Pro Bowl more than anybody other than Darius Leonard on our team because you could see the impact when he came back for the Dallas game that he has on the on the run game, on the pass protection, on the team as a whole, what the impact looks like with Ryan Kelly in and out of the game. It's significant. So when he, I didn't expect him to make it, I'll just be honest. I, I mean, he wasn't very, very high in the voting uh, most of the time that I saw, and I just I didn't expect it. So when he gets an alternate, I'm also kind of impressed. I think he deserved a Pro Bowl vote. But it didn't really surprise me. The one, the the Luck and Leonard ones definitely surprised me, though. So now we're going to take uh, a chance, or we're going to take a, an opportunity to look ahead and see what this playoff picture looks like. Because we've got, uh, you know, we've got one win. We've got the next one ahead of us that we need to take care of. And of course, the Colts are in this one and zero mentality every week. Be one and zero, and that's where they have to be right now. But we're getting to a point where we can kind of look and say this next week is going to be a huge week for the Colts. They have to get a win against the Giants. So uh, this is not a, a good Giants team. They should be able to get a win. Should and will is not the, are not the same. But they have the strengths to combat the strengths of the Giants. Uh, Eli Manning is the, probably the least mobile quarterback that they're going to face all year long. I'm trying to think offhand if there's anybody who's less mobile than him that they've faced, but and Tom Brady may be that guy, uh, but they were banged up and really didn't have a chance with him. But but Eli is probably the least mobile, and he's he's the guy they ought to be able to pick on. This is not a good offensive line. 
Saquon Barkley is a very good runner, but the Colts have done pretty well with very good runners, and so there's reason to think that you could at least limit him in the same kind of way that you did Zeke. Obviously, uh, Zeke ran 87 87 yards on 18 carries, 41 receiving yards. He was still a pretty big impact on the offense, but he was basically the entire offense. And so if you're able to limit him that way, if you're able to limit Barkley and just keep him from completely taking over the game, I think that that probably makes that game pretty one-dimensional. You've got Odell Beckham Jr., and he's coming back from an injury. And if I'm Odell, and they're eliminated from the playoffs already, that happened this past week, if I'm Odell, and if I'm that franchise, I'm not rushing him back at all. I may not be even bringing him back, because if he's not fully healthy, what has he got to play for? What sense does it make to put your star offensive player, and, and I'm not sure if you could say that he's the best player because of how good Barkley's been, but he's definitely one of the two best offensive players, or players, period, on this team. Do you really want to put that guy out there and let him you know, re-injure something or or make things worse going into next year. I, I just don't think that makes a whole lot of sense. So who knows whether he even plays and whether they pack it up and try some other things on offense because they may want to say they may want to pull Eli and play Kyle Laletta and see what he's got, see what they have in him. I think we know it's pretty clear that, you know, based on what we've seen of the Giants when Laletta played, that it wasn't good. And, and they're probably going to be drafting a quarterback, but maybe they want to see what they've got on offense. Try some, use this last couple games of the season as like really early preseason games and help them kind of figure out what they've got. So we don't really know what we're going to see from the Giants, and that's okay. But what we should see, even if we saw their, their starters, we ought to be able to beat this team, and we ought to be able to beat them pretty handily. So the Colts need to come out and do that. They're just no hesitation. They need to come out and thump the Giants and make it count, um, make it, you know, put their stamp on this team and move on. If they do that, there's a really good chance that they could bump themselves into that wild card slot this coming weekend. And the reason is because of the Steelers and the Ravens. So they both have very tough games. The Steelers play at the Saints and the Ravens are playing against the Chargers. And both of those teams um both of those teams are very good. This is a team, in the Ravens at least, that relies on the run and ball control offense. They're playing at the Chargers, which is not a real intimidating venue to play in. We've talked about that before. But they're playing on the road. They're traveling across the country. And they're playing against a really, really red-hot Chargers team who is looking like they're getting healthy. They're getting some guys back. They're getting healthy at the right time. That's a big deal. And if they can manage to pull it off and get healthy at the right time, they should be able to handle this Ravens team without a ton of trouble. And if they can do that, uh, or or if either of those teams loses, so either one, one loss, if the Colts win out, that's all we need. If the Colts win their next two games, all that we need to make the playoffs is for either the Steelers or the Ravens to lose one game. So this is probably the week where that's going to happen, and if it doesn't happen, I'm going to start getting really nervous that we're going to get to 10-6 and six and still not be able to make the playoffs, and that would really, really suck. So basically, there are three ways, three primary ways that we can get into the playoffs, and there may be more. I'm not going to dig into the, the crazy stuff, but there are three ways that we can get into the playoffs right now as things stand, and those are these. So the Ravens or the Steelers need to lose this week or next week. They need to lose one game. If they lose more than that, great. Perfect. 
but they need to lose. And if both of them lose, that would be excellent because it would just make me feel better. But if they, if I mean, they could both drop a game. If the Colts win, they're in that sixth seed. And there is, as long as they win out, it's in the Colts' hands to win out and take that sixth wild card spot. Now, there is another way that they can get in, technically, if they win out still. So the Texans are playing at the Eagles, and the Texans could lose their game. And if that were to happen, and then if they were to lose next week at home against the Jaguars, which also is definitely in the realm of possibility because we saw what that Jaguars team properly motivated looks like, and they might want to put one on the on the Texans and knock them out of the playoffs. If they were able to clamp down like they did on the Colts the last time we played, they very well could shut down the Texans. The Texans haven't looked good all season uh, consistently, and they've been playing close games. They ba- they barely squeaked out of their last game. So if the Eagles would stomp them, and the Eagles really kind of looked good over the past week or so, week or two, um, if they were able to beat the Texans, and the Texans lose out and the Colts win out, we would actually win the division, and that would get us into the playoffs as well. But what's crazy about that is if we... So let's say that the Ravens and the Steelers both went out, and the Texans lose out, and the Colts win against the Giants and then lose against the Titans, we would go from being the division leaders to being out of the playoffs entirely, which is just so depressing. So I think that's I think that's correct. Or, or maybe the Titans have to win both of their games as well for that to be a possibility. Anyway, there is a possibility where we could be playing in Week 17, to either be out of the playoffs or to win the AFC South and have a home game. So kind of crazy how the playoffs can work out this way. Basically, there's a lot of things to be excited about in the next couple weeks. And for at least one week, you are hard rooting for the Chargers, hard rooting for the Saints. Even if they annoy you to no end, you need those teams to win. Because if either or both of them win, all the Colts have to do is take care of their business and we're in the playoffs. And I think we've discussed, once we get into the playoffs, I really think this team has some things going. Because this defense has got some, has got some things figured out. Matt Eberflus has really got them playing well. They seem to be kind of getting more and more on the same page. The secondary is playing well. Quincy Wilson has looked really good over the past couple weeks. I keep saying his name. Uh, in write-ups and things, and I mentioned him as an honorable mention in the winners and losers. He looked good, and he's continuing to look good, and it may be a, a factor of him practicing better and then Eberflus figuring out how to use him, but he has looked good, and we're starting to see some of these young guys figure it out. And once that starts to happen, and while that's happening at this point in the season, and then you get some of your guys back healthy, you get Ryan Kelly back, and you start to get the offensive line healthy, um, Joe Haig stepped in really well and played good offensive line, uh, play, had some good offensive line play at the right guard position, and hopefully Glowinski can be healthy again for the playoffs if we would make it. If we get in, I, I don't think there's a team in the AFC that really scares me, to be honest with you. I wouldn't want to face the Chargers necessarily. I wouldn't be itching to face them. If somebody could bump them off, I'd feel better about it. But what it looks like the two most likely possibilities would be a game against the Texans, and quite frankly, that'd be a thriller to me because I think we would go in and beat down the Texans the way we're playing right now and the way they're playing, or a matchup with the Patriots. And there is nothing, nothing in football that would make me as excited as going into Foxborough um, and knocking the Patriots out of the playoffs and letting Josh McDaniels know once and for all in a major, major fit of poetic justice 
just what a huge mistake that he made passing on the Colts and, and getting to look at that franchise that he could have been running and how far they've come in just a year and then look at the franchise that he's a part of that's just slowly fading away. So very exciting possibilities, lots of neat things to be looking forward to as Colts fans. Regardless of what happens, this season has been awesome and the things that we're you're going to have expectation-wise for this team going forward the way that this team has really grown and changed and the impact of its draft picks and young talent is just, it gives you so much room for optimism. So really good things ahead, but there may be some really good things immediately ahead and some some real optimism for this season yet. So I think that's all we've got. We're going to have lots of good content. The All-22 drops, we're going to have all of our, all of our uh, film breakdowns are going to be pumping out tomorrow and Thursday. We're going to have a bunch of good content leading us up to the Giants game, and we're going to continue to dig into the playoffs and you know what the prospects are for the Colts. Check out all those games. Definitely tune in and root against the Ravens and the Steelers, and keep checking back with Stampede Blue for all that good content. Also, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever it is that you access the pod. Definitely appreciate that. Those reviews and ratings certainly help us. And uh, stay tuned. I, I assume we'll have some some content later in the week from Matt at the Colts cast. And Horseshoes with Holder usually has something towards the end of the week as well. And it's always interesting to hear their perspectives. And hopefully tune back in and listen to Dark Horses. We're out of here until there's something more exciting to talk about next time. Until then, I'm Chris Blystone, signing off. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, editor-in-chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. To listen to podcasts, check it out. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor in chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. 
But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.